Welcome to Master System Masterpieces. Wait, 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 George, George. We're not... What? We're not here to do the podcast, man. Wait, we're, what are we doing then? I thought we were doing the bumper for the SNES podcast. <laughs> oh, right. I knew that. I was just doing vocal exercises. Oh, oh, well, in that case... Welcome, welcome to, to Master System, System Masterpieces. Masterpieces. Are you ready? Yeah. You're, You're listening, listening to, to SNES... Crap! You're listening to the SNES podcast. <sighs> Super NES Podcast. This is episode number 27. Uh, we're going to be covering uh, the packing game for the system, Super Mario World, uh, in this episode, uh, which was developed um, developed and published by Nintendo and released uh, in Japan in 1990 and the rest of the world in 1991 and 92 for the Super NES. Um, I'm once again pleased to have my regular co-host, like Alessandro, bugging me tonight. Hey guys, how you going? Yeah, so it's great to record with you again. Uh, but it's been a while. It's been too long, and I'm um, really <laughs> sorry about that. But I'm glad to be back to talk about one of my favorite games of all time. Yes, definitely. Um, a lot of podcasts start off. A lot of podcasts that you start off uh, with gaming systems talking about the packing game of the system. But I wanted to buck the trend and be different. In fact, when I started this podcast like over six months ago, so we talked about a different game instead. So, uh, uh, so it's kind of like. Um, uh, so probably talking about the packing game of the system is much, much delayed at this point. So, um, but uh, but uh, spoilers, you know, I really enjoy Super Mario World like a lot also. So uh, it's definitely it's, it's definitely a game, definitely a game that's going to be covered like get covered in the system like uh, in the system like sooner or later. It probably should be done sooner, but um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely a classic and probably like you know one of the most familiar games that people that. that uh, 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 that people associate associate like Super NES, uh, like for good reason. So, yes, and it's you know 25th anniversary coming up um, in November for this game, so it's uh, it makes sense for us to celebrate it and talk mm. about it. Right. 
Uh, before we get going about Super Mario World, uh, I do have some uh, podcasting news and also some Super NES related news that I want to share with everybody else out there uh, in case they haven't heard about it yet. Um, as far as this podcast goes, uh, we are still in the process, process of trying to migrate over to our new hosting service uh, at Libsyn. Uh, it's going a little bit slower than I had wanted it to, mostly because that um, the beauty about Libsyn is that once you once things are uploaded to the site and once the site goes over like the next month, it no longer counts as a quotia. Um, uh, uh, with most sites, including this, the site we're using right now, Podomatic, like have a daily like have a daily quotia limit. Um, unfortunately, I can only afford to pay for a certain a certain a, a certain a, a certain upload limit like each month. And while that upload limit will be fine once everything gets uh, uploaded onto there, trying to upload 26 plus episodes to the to, to, to the site uh, is taking a little bit longer than I wanted to because of those because of those limits. So hopefully by next month we'll have everything uh, officially moved over and uploaded to that new site and we'll be able to shut down Podomatic and be able to officially move everything over. Um, I will make announcements both here on this podcast and also on the Facebook page uh, once we actually are ready with that. Speaking about Facebook, um, we reached 500 likes this week. So I really wanted to give everybody like a big thank you, uh, like to those of you out there who have liked and supported the, the support the, face, the Facebook page and the contributions we have on there. Um, Alessandro has done a great job of doing like you know weekly uh, weekly updates and they uh, and questions and throwback things and whatnot and whatnot. So I'm uh, uh, like I'm really thankful to him uh, for for all the help he's done uh, he's done. Uh, and helping me out uh, with the Facebook page and developing our new logo and everything else for it. So um, special thanks to you uh, uh, for the help on that, and special thanks to everybody out there who uh, who have liked to support the page. Yeah, like you know, it's a it's our connection with the listeners. So like, just a reminder for them to um, you know any feedback, anything you loved about the show, anything you want to see coming up, please do so. We just released um, our Disney. Um, special episode, which we would love your feedback on. It's a different format that we haven't tried before. So, yeah, use it to your advantage if you really want to interact with us. And if you wanted us to expose anything on the podcast, also type it in the comment section. Right, definitely. Um, speaking of Facebook, I also want to give a special uh, thank you to Michael Kelso, uh, one of the uh, one of the hosts of the uh, Two Dudes NES podcast. He's been a very big supporter, uh, like me, of this podcast. Uh, Michael does a daily um, uh, NES question of the day, and today's question of the day was Super NES related because he asked which game series that people felt was most improved, benefited from the jump from NES to Super NES. Um, and, uh, and it's especially fitting with the game we're talking about tonight because one of the most popular, popular responses that people said to that question was the Mario franchise. So um, it, it definitely had a big leap in evolution in technology when it jumped over for jumped over like the NES and Super NES. So this was a great showcase game for the system, I think. So um, other popular choices on there were the Zelda franchise and Final Fantasy. Uh, Metroid, Metroid is a classic. Um, uh, like some other, like some other, like, you know, like series also. So, um, also, um, wanted to mention that there's a very helpful, uh, helpful web, uh, podcast website, uh, 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 a website out now. Um, if you listen to other retro gaming podcasts, you may have heard some email or, uh, or audio submissions, uh, from Shinto, uh, who's, like a regular, who's regularly contributed uh, feedback to podcasts such as the 2600 uh, Game by Game podcast, uh, the 5200 podcast, and so on. Uh, he recently just started a podcast on the much 
um, maligned and badly needing a podcast, Atari Jaguar. Uh, definitely one of the most uh, controversial and passionate uh, systems, uh, systems as far as, as far as virtual gaming systems go. He also he also developed a website, um, which is a game by game podcast hub, which has about twenty or so podcasts on it right now that I'll follow the, the uh, that I'll follow the game by game podcast. And our website is uh, I'm sorry, like our podcast is on it also. And this podcast on here going all the way from arcade games all the way up to Dreamcast. And it's a great hub site because it also gives you uh, instant, instant ready links for the uh, like the feed, for contact information, uh, uh, for Facebook, for Twitter, like all that stuff. And uh, um, so you can find the the podcast site at www.gamebygamepodcast.com. It's a great place to be able to check for regular updates for this podcast and for the other re- and the other retro podcasts that you enjoy doing. He also has on the bottom of the page a link to a. Uh, uh, a link to a page called No Game by Game Podcast, where it has about 25 systems that do not have a podcast and really badly do need a podcast. So if you think about doing a podcast yourself, uh, take a look at this site like, for some like, some inspiration. Um, I personally would kill to have somebody do either a Game Boy or Play or, or a PlayStation podcast because those two because those two systems I have a lot of nostalgia for. Um, and if I wasn't so busy doing this podcast and some other podcasts I'm involved in, I may I may have seriously thought about. So. Uh, definitely take a look at this podcast. Uh, Shinto has done a great job in putting this together uh, like for the community. Um, and also in the vein also in the vein of wanting to share Super NES flight related news, um, another uh, like another like another podcast uh, podcast that I listen to, uh, which is called which is called like, Our Brooklyn Bites, um, recently featured a Super NES game as one of their uh, main games of discussion. Uh, this is a weekly podcast done by two people, uh, like a guy, girl, uh, like your friends, uh, like from like from New York City, um, and they usually do a re- in-depth review of a, of, a, of a couple of retro games, and they also talk about some modern gaming news. So it's a great mix between retro between retro and modern and modern game uh, uh, gaming stuff going on. And I really love uh, podcast formats where you're like your two friends just like shooting the breeze back and forth with one another uh, with like you know games that kind of stuff. Anyway, they did a anyway their most recent episode. Uh, they did a pretty in depth analysis about the much underrated uh, Konami Konami Super NES game Cybernator, uh, which was a, uh, a, a mech action platformer game uh, with a very anime feel uh, to it. Uh, they talk about the game for about a half an hour or so, so it's definitely like a uh, definitely, so definitely like worth checking out. Uh, this is a game I played once back then, but I have not spent any time with since then. I'm, I'm going to have to give this game like, like a look because even though even though I think Konami was firing in all cylinders during this time period, this is a game I just didn't spend a lot of time with. Um, like so, I was Andrew. I know you really have like a love of anime, and this game and this game has anime roots. Um, have you ever played this one? Yeah, I have. It was one of the first games I rented um, when I owned a Super Nintendo because I was a late adopter to the system. I just have fond memories of how impressive visually it looked. Um, and it was very hard. I don't think I got past the second level so at the time. So I definitely want to revisit it as well. It's definitely on my radar for future play. Um, but yeah, the anime art style of that game is beautiful. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. Yep, and you can find this podcast at like ourbrooklynbites.wordpress.com. Uh, speaking about also podcasts, one more thing. Um, I recently recorded an I recently recorded an episode, uh, which we'll be hearing uh, pretty soon, like in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, like another like you know famous a famous podcaster, uh, uh, Phil the No Swear Gamer. 
um, who does the 7800 uh, Game of Game podcast, and he also does a, a channel on YouTube called No Story Gamer, in which he does like, in-depth reviews of like retro gaming systems. Um, uh, Phil joined me recently for an episode talking about the Super Tech Mobile games uh, for the Super NES. That episode is going to be released in a couple weeks uh, when it gets close to, re- to when it gets close to the start of the football season here, like in the U.S. Um, he also posted he also posted uh, recently uh, on his YouTube channel um, um, like a review on Super Tech Mobile for the, like the Super NES. So if you want a preview uh, a preview of, like what we're going to talk about uh, in that episode and. Uh, um, and to see what Phil thought about the game uh, before the podcast comes out, uh, uh, go check it out. Uh, Phil definitely does great work on his podcast. Uh, podcast that can also on as a YouTube YouTube review site. So, so, uh, so, uh, so definitely like work like a listen to. Um, he's finally starting to do some more Super NES games, so good for that. Uh, the more Super NES coverage out there, the better because they, uh, uh, a lot because a lot of attention is paid toward the classic pre-crash systems and NES and. Super NES doesn't get as much coverage to it as far as like reviews and that kind of stuff. So anybody who anybody who gives in-depth reviews like that definitely is worth like a shout out for. Um, and finally, uh, again, uh, like again connecting to I'm sorry, again connecting to the game we're talking about tonight. Um, I just saw an article a couple hours ago. A couple hours ago, as a matter of fact, that the Huffington Post uh, published, uh, which is which is which is entitled um, "21 Games Everyone Should Play." So 21 games everyone should play before they die. Uh, definitely, definitely attention grabbing. Definitely, de- definitely sure to get a lot of uh, con- uh, controversial debate and spark and whatnot. Especially since all the games that they listed are uh, that are all made past 1990. Um, but but number two on that list was Super Mario World. So uh, uh, so definitely so like this is definitely so this is definitely like more proof that Super Mario World is still is still as popular and finally remembered today as it was as it was back when the game first came out uh, first came out like about twenty five years ago. Um, as most people know, Super Mario World was a packing game uh, for uh, for the Super NES. Um, I believe uh, like I believe the entire world. Um, I know it was for Japan and North America. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that was a packing game for Europe and Powerlands also. Um, and it was a packing game until it was replaced by the combination of Super Mario Worlds and Super Mario All Stars uh, as one title and uh, one title '94, and then eventually, and then, and then eventually, Donkey Kong Country became the packing of the systems uh, back '95. But packing games used to be very, very important. Uh, for those of you who are old enough to remember that. Um, what you got with a system was very important because chances are, if you didn't get anything else with that system, you were playing that game for a long, long time. So you definitely wanted to have like a good packing game. Uh, I was lucky enough, um, um, uh, like for the NES and uh, that my parents bought for me back then to get to, to get a couple other games like with as well. But um, packing games are a lost art. Um, I believe the Jaguar was the last system was the last system to come with a pack in. Uh, that got uh, that got limited release in 1993 and and a nationwide U.S. release in 1994. Uh, I'm not counting uh, Wii Sports for the Wii because uh, because the fact that, that was a disc-based system, not because of the fact that we can download stuff immediately like, immediately like out of the box. But uh, um, Super Mario World was a great like, was a great choice for packing game like the Super NES. Um, um, I kind of made up a, uh, um, I kind of made up like a quick rough list here, uh, 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 like what to me was my personal favorite packing games for systems. 
Uh, like Alessandro, I, some of these packets may have differed, may have differed a little bit in your part of the world. Uh, so I'm kind of curious to hear. So I'm kind of curious to hear what your thoughts are. Uh, I, I, the high thing, the high, the high, high world ranks as a packing, but um, I would say that the best packing period, best packing of all time, had to be Tetris, like the Game Boy. Uh, Tetris, Tetris was the perfect game to include the system because everybody loved the game. Kids, adults, young, old, virtual gamers, modern gamers. It was perfect for long play. It was perfect for on the go. It was just a perfect pack-in. I mean, like, Nintendo could not have done like any better like, including, like you know, Tetris for the system. Um, I think after that, Super Mario Brothers, like the NES, uh, comes next. That was also like a, that was also like a great addition. Um, combat, the Atari 2600. Was a, it's like it was a great packing because the fact that it showed up, it showed up, showed up, showed up the system could do and be interesting because it was a two player game and it kind of encouraged encouraged you to play the play the game like somebody else. Uh, back back at time, video games were the back video games are still trying to get were still trying to get their way sorted like in the world. Um, Donkey Kong uh, for the ColecoVision definitely helped sell that system. Everybody wanted to play Donkey Kong at home and that was an almost arcade perfect uh, port uh, port port of the game. I really don't think the ColecoVision could have done as well as well as did if Donkey Kong hadn't come out for it. And then, like, and then all the way down to number five, I'd have Super Mario World. Not because Super Mario World's a bad, uh, um, a bad game, uh, or not because it was not a good choice for packing. Uh, on the contrary, it was a great choice for packing. Just that, just that competition for competition for top packings are so good that you know I think that you know I think that you know I think think there's other like four systems probably. That probably higher up, like we're packing for, 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 for like packing titles. So I kind of miss systems coming with uh, 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 systems coming packed in, packed in with games. Um, it was definitely great being able to get like a game, like like, like game out of the box as it was so to have to have something with you to play you, you, to play like the system, especially if you got the system like very shortly after its release. Um, so I know that I bought I bought Final Fantasy four like in my system, and I definitely and I definitely was more excited to play that first than I was Super Mario World. But Super Mario World I spent a ton of time with uh, in those first couple months after I got my system of Christmas ninety one, uh, just going back and forth like, from, like you know, sessions of Final Fantasy four. So, um, what do you think about packings like Alessandro, and how do you think like yeah. the height, the, 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 and how do you think, you think Super Mario World like compares like compares to the others? Well, it depends on how you tackle it. Because for me, it's all about like value proposition. You know, that's it's either you judge it on value proposition or you judge it on your personal favorite of a game. Because Super Mario World is my favorite um, bundled game in the history of my um, of my gaming life. But I would look at uh, something like the Nintendo Entertainment System. For me, that was bundled with uh, Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, and it came in with the gun mm. as an option. Um, and I think there's a lot of value there, and especially as an entry point to the system, you've got a lot of variety. It's not just Super Mario Brothers, which is obviously an amazing game. Um, it was transcending. Um, you also had Dark Cannon, which allowed you to use a peripheral that was also, at the time, groundbreaking. Um, and I don't know if you want to class that in within um, a bundling system, but I, I really see that as a pack-in. I also want to um, uh, give a mention to the Master System for the Australian release that I know... Um, had Alex the Kid built in, <clears throat> which was a very mm. fun game, um, and it provided me some great memories as a child as well. Um, but going back to what I was saying with value proposition, yeah, I think that's important when it comes to bundles because the consumer wants to save a bit of money um, as well and entices them to actually buy the product, which has games evolved. Like you said, you got you got your Super NES at Christmas, right, Greg? 
Yes. Yeah. So you had Super Mario World and you had Final Fantasy, um, and you generally had two games um, at the price of one. Essentially, that's the basics of it of the model. So I just think that value of Super Mario World um, at the quality of the game, the length of the game, um, for me is my favorite personally, um, just because it was a really good showcase for the system, and it was fun as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how much knowledge you have about like you know like gaming systems as a gaming system like as a whole. Um, but what do you think the best pack in like pack in period like period was? Do you think it was Super Mario World or? Uh, uh, well, that's the thing. Like, I you, know because you know this, I would argue Tetris. from a perspective from the consumer, I, I, I like I said value. But with Tetris, I think it is obviously very successful because Nintendo with the Game Boy wanted to reach you know, different demographics. So they were more tackling more of a casual game. They really invented the casual aspect of gaming where that portable device could be played by anyone um, from, you know, people in the, their office going um, on the bus um, to teenagers, to young kids. Um, so Tetris obviously is a big winner for Nintendo as a pack-in. But uh, like I said, from a personal preference, you know, I, I look at the Super Nintendo with um, Super Mario World just because of the quality of the game itself, um, mm. the length of the game itself. Um, it was my personal favorite, um, but you could you could have a negotiation, you could have a discussion about the most successful one all you want because essentially, if you look at stats and sales, of course, that you'd be able to provide fact as well to back your statement up. But I haven't got great knowledge of of previous systems like the Atari and that in, in the past. So you mentioned some that I wasn't even aware of. Oh my Donkey Kong with it um, was it the ColecoVision? Did you say Donkey Kong came? Right. Well, obviously Super Mario World was a very like distributed game because in fact it was a pack in the system like for so long. Uh, there was over uh, I mean those uh, those over twenty million copies of the game included uh, worldwide as a packing with the Super NES, and that doesn't even count like uh, like sales of the game separately uh, because this game was also like was also like available separately at stores. I, I remember seeing it being sold that way back in the day. Uh, plus. Uh, Puzzle, Puzzle Lost like re-released like a million dollar seller too. So well, it didn't come singular until later. I don't think you could buy Super Mario World separately until like the second or third month of it being on the shelf. This is something that I read, and I'm regarding this specifically right. yep. North, North American release. And I think that's right. another reason why um, people wanted to get the, the pack in because of that value um, that you get with having Super Mario World in, in, in the console as well. Uh, so you mentioned your love and affection like for this game. Uh, what's your personal history, like history, like of the game and the, the history of the game? Yeah, I mean, what do you remember? It's going to be a little bit of a contrast I mean, compared to you because mm. I got, um, like I said earlier, you know, the console, Super Nintendo console, I got late. Um, so I didn't get to play Super Mario World until a lot later in the in the cycle, where you know. So it's not really that interesting of a story. My my question to you is what I really want to hear um, from your experiences because you were so invested within the NES ecosystem, the Nintendo Entertainment System, your transition to the Super Nintendo would be very interesting because you were there as it happened within the space. So like, I just want to know your thoughts on like going from playing uh, Super Mario World 3, which was you know a masterpiece of a platformer on the Nintendo, um, and then mm. playing Super Mario World for the first time. What was that like? What was that experience like? What was your feeling mm. towards that? That's why I really want to know. I was definitely going to touch. Yeah, I was definitely going to touch. Uh, I touch upon that because, like you know, that's one of the most passionate uh, debates uh, as far as the Mario franchise that goes on that goes on today as to like which game, 
sequel team in the series that people like you know favorite better Mario three like Mario World. So, um, but uh, um, my transition was actually a pretty gradual one because I didn't stop playing the NES just because I got the Super NES. Um, I was still playing the NES all the way up until I went to college. Um, I like it's like term ninety four. Uh, partly because of the fact that my mom was still buying, like buying, like buying NES games for, for like a video store, and I was still very interested in playing NES games because there was still a lot of great NES games that came out like late in the system's life. So, like, they didn't just suddenly just like drop one system, like move on to the other one. But um, playing Super Mario World for that first time was really—it's um, hard to put into words. It was really just jaw dropping because the fact that I'd seen the pictures, I'd seen the commercials, I, I, commercials. Um, like, you know, I, like, I, like I heard the word of mouth from people like how great the system was um, but I never actually had the chance to play one um, like, until I got my system so uh, like, of course like, of course, I'm very very excited like, excited about it and just like you know playing Super Mario World like the first time and just seeing those rich rich cartoony graphics just that great uh, great uh, soundtrack um, the soundtrack that the game has just like you know like it was Mario but it wasn't Mario uh, I mean, like, you know, I mean, like, I mean, it felt familiar. The mechanics, the mechanics were all there. The, the gameplay was still there. But it was just, you know, it was just a whole new learning experience, not only because of all the different things that were added to the game. And then, like, you know, the cape and Yoshi, and, like, the enemies and, and the enemies and, like, the, um, and the secret versus normal, and, like, normal exits, like, the world. But also, but also, but also just getting used to the system. Like, just getting used to like it's going to use like the controller because the Super NES controller is pretty similar to the NES controller, but still there was still like a learning curve for it because like you know okay I, I've got four buttons to work with now like suppose a two okay I've got shorter buttons here and they didn't have those earlier so um, and you know uh, Final Fantasy IV is a great game also of course but that game is much more limited than limited as far as like you know uh, as far as like as far as using the controller. So trying to like so Super Mario World was great also for learning for, for, for learning how to use the controller because the controller because utilized like all the buttons on it. So it definitely was a great transition transition game, uh, and it really and it really showed off very very well just what the Super NES could do as far as a 16-bit system. I mean like the first time the first time I, I remember I remember the first time that I went into the um, one of the uh, ghost houses and uh, ghost houses and, uh, and you had to go. Like they had to go uh, behind the fence, as it was, uh, by by pushing the button when Mario when Mario was in the door and then going behind it. That was that was awesome. It's like you know you couldn't do that like an NES game. Being able to actually see that effect and being able to do that with that uh, do that with a whole different plane in Super NES was just which was just amazing. And you know, um, um, and like you know, save states um, just just you know just know being able to see your progress as you went through the game. So the game, you know, the game was massive. It, it, it took we, it took weeks to be able to beat that game, um, you know, because I was such a completionist. Then I, I wanted to, um, I, I wanted, I one hundred percent it. I wanted to keep plugging away at the game until I actually was able to find all the secrets and uh, all the secrets and all the hidden exits, like on the kind of stuff. And, and just like the replay value of it was great, and it was also a great game to show. It, it, it was also a great game to show off to friends. Uh, being able to show off, you know, what the system could do, because, um, like I said earlier, the game really did show off, I think, very, very well as a showcase um, of what the system could do, because, because like, Wob Zero and Pot Wings were also very, very fun games also, and, like, most games also launched for the Super NES in North America, those games felt more, those games felt more tech demo-y, 
Um, Super Mario World was a complete package. I mean, that, like you showed off, showed off what the system could do. Like it also was, but also like it was a blast to play. So it was win-win, like in both worlds. So um, I, I definitely, I, I definitely remember just thinking, just thinking, you know, this is a great example of what the system can do. And just you know, I can't wait to see also. Uh, and you know, I definitely was looking forward to seeing that, like, like seeing. With, uh, also, definitely was looking forward to seeing, seeing with next, uh, seeing what next wave of games could do because a lot of yeah, because a lot of consoles, you make it one two great games that first year, but it takes but it takes a year and eighteen months like for the great games to come out of the system uh, because because developers programmers have to get used to the system or whatnot. The the, the, the PlayStation PS two for example, I think suffered heavily like from that. But by that, by that problem, but the Super NES, you you had great games like this, like right out of the gate, um, and then you also had games like Final Fantasy IV and Super Castlevania IV and Contra Three and Act Riser. All those games came out in the first year. So Super NES, I think more than anything else, really showed right out of the gate uh, the games, the games that were showcased what the system could do, like and everything. So and they um. And you know, I'll I'll tip my hand right now. Like you know, I, Super Mario World is still my favorite game in the franchise. Mario Three is great. I think it's still an awesome game. But I'm uh, I'm definitely a person a person who favors Mario World like Mario Three because of all those improvements. Uh, and I think it's the best platformer ever made, bar none. Uh, it, it, it definitely holds up. It definitely holds up. Uh, uh, like but even today, uh, twenty five years later. I totally agree. I mean, I, just to add further on on what you were saying about. Um launch titles so that's you know a huge win for the super nintendo when it had such a great um launch lineup but to have a game at the quality of super mario world from day one yeah that's rare and um it really um positioned the super nes as a as a beast um, going up against the genesis um which you know was released obviously earlier um and it kind of forced that mascot thing to happen um because mario had been around for so long but this really transcended Mario Brothers into the next generation of gaming, which led to Sonic for Sega because they needed that competition. Um, but the quality factor as well of a platformer, there was so much love that was put into this. Like, put this in perspective, um, compared to today, only 16 people worked on this game. You know, three-year development cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, I really, that's a small-knit group really putting their heart and soul into something. Um, and you said it, like, it's a long, long-lasting game. There's replay value. And a lot of love went into it, and it was a launch title for the console. Um, so I just think that's a very mm. special thing in the history of video games when you look at that. Yeah, not only was it, uh, yeah, not only was it a relatively small team of sixteen people, it like also took three years, uh, like development, uh, like development, like the game to be made. I know, like, uh, so like you know, like Ashigu. Uh, Miyamoto, who of course, like you know, created uh, Mario and is one of the most uh, famous, like famous game developers in history. Uh, he was, uh, he was, you know, he was, uh, he was the director of the project. He, he was the producer. Um, so he was a producer, right? right. Yeah, Takashi Tezuka so, was the, the director. Um, he was another amazing. Sorry, like, yeah, you're right. They've been partners forever. They're they're an amazing partnership. Right. They're still today to this day. They still partner up and um, do Mario games. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I don't know exactly how much, like how much. Uh, Actual in-hand development that Miyamoto did of the game, but he was quoted like in interviews and saying like you know like he, quoting interviews that, saying like even though they even though with that long time and uh, long time which which for the early nineties was unusual for a game like for a game to be developed like development like that year uh, uh, like that long, he still felt development like kind of like rushed 
uh, and he still thought the game was kind of you know, incomplete and fires things, fires things that he wished he could have added to the game. So, but he got, he got um, what he wanted. You know, he got what he wanted. He wanted Yoshi to be. He wanted Mario to have a dinosaur, and he was able to put that in. Um, you know, going back to the original elements of Super Mario Brothers, the NES, that was something he always wanted in the game. Was that was for Mario to write something, but due to the capabilities, obviously, um, he wasn't able to do that. So he was able to envision. He was able to um, put his vision into this game from the original uh, Super Mario days. So that's that's a special thing as well. Um, and just to comment further on um, what you were saying with the um, the small team, you know, he was saying sixteen people. That's compared to today. That's nothing. Like you can imagine how many people <laughs> are working on um, the Zeldas and the Mario's today at Nintendo. Uh, this is a big difference. Right. So. Um, I'll just put out to the listeners as well. If they ever get a chance to look up, look it up online, or get a copy of of Amazon or eBay. There's. Um, do you remember the the book, the Super NES Players Guide, Greg? Yes, I do. Okay. There's a great piece in that uh, book explaining the graphical elements of the Super Nintendo, and it goes into detail about how they um, were able to graphically layer Super Mario World, like you said, you know, behind the fence. Um, when you could switch sides and and all those um, cool aspects of the game, they actually explain to you how it's cap- how they're capable of doing that. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, and and it, that that exper- all those experiments happen in Super Mario World. Um, so yeah, I, w- I just suggested that the, the gamers out there, the Super Nintendo fans, check out the Super NES Bios Guide. It has a really good um, read on on the actual physics and the engine um, that powered the Super NES. Yeah, absolutely. Um... And you mentioned uh, Yoshi like a moment ago. We could probably do a whole podcast just like Yoshi himself because Yoshi probably is one of the most famous things take, uh, the things that started and is taken out of, um, you know, and is developed into basically um, a character almost as popular as Mario is these days. I mean, like, you know, um, having Mario riding a dinosaur was struck me as a little bit odd at first when I first started heard it, uh, I ever heard about it. But actually being able to use him in the game was sort of genius because, like, you know, having Yoshi adds a whole new element to, like, the gameplay because, you know, certain stages you really need Yoshi uh, to be able to, like, be able to do well in the game. And, you know, just, uh, and just you know, figuring out, figuring out, you know, which enemies that Yoshi could eat to be able to get which power-ups and, like, you know, like, you know, sure. And, you know, there were so many times I died because, like, you know, something would hit me, Yoshi would go running <laughs> off, yeah. and I'd go running after him, yeah. and I would lose track of myself and, like, fall to a pit. I can so, relate with that. Because like, I, again, with Super Mario World, obviously, they didn't have as many power-ups as Super Mario Brothers 3, right? So they obviously used Yoshi as a new element, um, and it, it's better for it for me because the one criticism I have of Super Mario Brothers 3 is that there's, there's so many power-up, power-ups where with Super Mario World, it was very focused on the Yoshi system, the Yoshi mechanic, and also the cape, and I think the game is way better for it because you eventually just get really good at using them. So it's it's a it's a progressional thing, and I think that's excellent game design. Where with Mario Brothers three, I think there's so many so much is thrown at you. Um, I don't necessarily think you become an expert at any of them um, in a short amount of time. Where Super Mario World takes you through that progression, where you can get start getting really good. And like you said, with Yoshi, you have to you have to really be aware of how to use him properly, or you can get into that situation where you're dying a lot because you don't know how um, to, to handle him well. You know. Uh, sure, I definitely agree. Uh, the biggest problem I had in Super Mario Brothers 3 was just the fact that I didn't have a battery pack. So, like, you know, the game was very, very long uh, that you wanted to play through it, like, in, like, one sitting. Um, so, the, like, so, like, so just having the battery in Super Mario World and being able to see your progress, like, it was, like, a huge, like, like, huge, like, huge step forward. And even though 
and but even though the game's very generous in like, generous like being able to give you uh, save points on a regular basis, you can always go back and very easily um, like very easily save your game uh, manually, manually like anytime you want to. Also, uh, like so, like so, like like so more so than earlier games. Super Mario World was a game that you could sit down with, play for like fifteen minutes, knock out a stage, and quit. <laughs> I quit the game. I can go do something else. So, um, but uh, yeah, um, the power-ups in the game. There's not very many, but the power-ups, the power-ups that are in the game are very, like, very, very, like, well utilized. I think uh, you still have the classic, uh, you know, fire, uh, like fire flower, like like a fire, the, uh, the fireball ability, and the the flying ability um, of the of the tail in Mario Three is replacing this one, like by the cape. Um, and you can do a lot of cool things with the cape. There's a very cool spin attack that you can do with the cape. Uh, like, be able to uh, defeat enemies. Uh, you can do some bouncing off tricks, uh, like with the cape. And, uh, of course, you can fly the cape. And flying the cape is a little bit difficult to master at first. It definitely takes some time and practice to get the hang of it. Uh, once you, uh, once you, like, stick with it and get the hang of it, um, it's very fun and it's very but it's very fun and it's very and it's very satisfying to fly, satisfying like fly around to fly around the game like of the cape uh, and if, um, can be 100% the, can 100% the game there's definitely areas areas that you can only reach like by using the cape so you definitely have to like master that cape uh, like a whatnot so um, uh, probably probably learning how to use the cape with the cape correctly and efficiently was probably the most difficult thing like about the game. Uh, but once you got over that hump, uh, the rest of the game like flowed like the rest of the game flowed like pretty smoothly like, as far as the gameplay and challenge went. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love the cape. It's still my favorite Super Mario Brothers power up of all time. Like it just, um, just an iconic look. And uh, like you said, once you master it, it's 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 really fun to use, especially in a game that's got a lot of secrets and being able to explore the um, the entire area of the levels. Just a lot of fun. Uh, and. Like, you know, something else also, I you know what I really love about the game, um, well, well as many things was many things was many things that I love about the game. One thing that one of the things one of the things I really like is that, you know, they took the basic they took the same basic gameplay from Mario Three. You're still doing a lot of the same things in this game that you're doing or a lot of the same things in this game that you're doing in the last one, but they also like improved and expanded upon it. Uh, even the story of this game, it, the, the, the story, um, you know, plays off Mario Three because it's a direct sequel to Mario Three. Uh, the manual basically says that you know after that after that after the events of Mario Three, and they have to they have to be the seven Koopa kids and uh, 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 kids defeating Bowser again and getting the princess back. Mario and Luigi want to take a vacation like they went to Dinosaur Land. Um, but of course, but of course, while they're there, Bowser once again kidnaps the princess. So like the two brothers go looking for him. Um, they find they find this egg, and the egg hatches out to and the egg hatches out uh, like to Yoshi. And Yoshi, like Yoshi tells him that Koopa and his seven kids have come into the dinosaur land and taken everything over. So it's like they're still going around. Um, it's like you're still going around the game world, uh, it's like a, like a map screen, very similar to Mario Three. You're still going to a whole bunch of stages. Um, um, and you still have. Uh, like, sort of the, like, sort of the freedom to be able to back out of a stage if it's too tough for you. Like, go back to it later on if like you want to. There's still power ups. There's still like you know hidden. There's still hidden stages. There's still bonus like bonus things to find. Uh, there's still there's still eight worlds. Um, like eight worlds of a castle. Like in these worlds, like Koopa Kid. Uh, like defeat like in each one. But 
the gameplay just takes that and then takes that takes that tried and true formula that works so well in Mario Three and cranks it up a notch uh, because you have the addition of Yoshi, you have the ability of, like of the cape, uh, you have the almost every stage has a secret, it's like the secret and a normal exit. So, like, if you just want to like play the game normally, you can do that. That's fine. There's no problem with that. Um, but you know, the game will allow you just to, you know, the game will allow you just to go through the game normally and just like like normally like normally and beat it. But if you want to, um, uh, but if you want to take the time to poke around and explore and try to explore and try to find the hidden uh, on the hidden exit, uh, like you'd be rewarded like for that also. Um, and if you manage to actually finish all the stages. Then you had to go to a very special, 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 uh, special course way up in the clouds with a whole bunch of very, very nasty, difficult stages. The stages like it's like you know, really out there names like you know, tubular and uh, super and radical and that kind of stuff. And just like you know, being able to being able to see that special message way at the end on the very last stage, you managed to finish that obstacle course. Uh, the game has a message for you in coins that uh, 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 and uh, coins that that basically says. Um, I believe it says like you know you are a great player. So being able to see that was definitely was definitely a, was definitely a point of pride, uh, like for me and some of my friends back then, because you really had to work your butt off to be able to get that, like to get that uh, like in the game. So I thought the, just, just the touch, the challenge. To, sorry, just to cut you off there. Yeah. Like, sorry, you know when you mentioned the, spe- no, the, okay. the special screen, the map. Um, when you're in that special, uh, just past the star levels, when you're in the special zone. Just if you just let the screen just play and hearing that original Super Mario's theme just play, that's just a little touch. It's just it's such a, um, mm. a special touch they put into the game. Like there's so many aspects to this, so many cool things that they put in. Um, really, so it surprises me to this day how many things are in this game for such an early title. Mm. Yeah, not to mention also the music in this game is awesome. I mean, you know, Koji Kondo, uh, who's definitely one of the best composers, composed that. Composed that Tenno has, uh, did all the soundtrack like this game. Uh, all um, he composed all the music. He composed all the, he, he composed all the music. I uh, like on a, uh, like on an electronic keyboard, um, and it fits the theme the, the theme of the game so well because like you know we had this like lighthearted, like fun platforming Mario game music and the music really fits that like to a T. And the music also very appropriate for the stages if the type of stages that you're in. Uh, because the ghost house music sounds like you know like dark and uh, uh, dark and foreboding, and the castle and the castle music like it's like and the castle music is energetic, and the boss fights are really like you know empowering. It, it really is a great soundtrack. It may not like, it may not get the respect or recognition um, of other Super NES soundtracks because Super NES has so many great soundtracks on it. But uh, but in my mind, this is my definitely my our favorite my favorite soundtrack as far as the Mario games go. Yeah, like it's it's something about it. Like it, it's this, even though it, you know, it's a Mario Brothers game, and it's generally the themes played through all of them. This has um, a variety when it comes to the way that the um, Koji Kondo put together the music. It's I don't know what it is. It's like it's not as tedious for me because um, to be honest with you, the the latest uh, installments of the Mario Brothers franchise and that just it, it goes back to the, the original Super Mario Brothers game, where Super Mario World really played with the concept and the and the themes and. and and expanded it to a point where I thought they they really took advantage of the of um, the Super NES sound chip, um, and I wouldn't say ambient, but there's a lot of um, uh, tones that are really more appealing to someone like myself who who likes a more ambient soundtrack. If that makes any sense, <clears throat> mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it was so like 
um, bubbly and it was it wasn't so um, you know in your face. It was it was quite there. Used it was really used well. There was a background music um, and it didn't become tedious after playing level after level. It was just enough variety there. Um, and I thought the, I personally think this is the best Mario soundtrack um, of all time. And that's my personal opinion, but I just feel like there's enough um, diversity in it um, to really make it stand out over the others, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear from you as what you think, what you think about the overall, uh, the overall challenge and gameplay of this game. Because I thought this game was difficult, but I didn't think it was quite as difficult as Mario Three was. Mario Three definitely had a lot of hair raising, um, like hair ripping out stages parts, stages to it. Super Mario World had some difficult stages, but again, like I was saying earlier, most of those stages you added the challenge with yourself. If like you wanted just to go through the stage normally, usually you could without really having too much of a challenge. If you wanted to actually hunt, hunt around to find the hunt around, hunt around like find the hidden exit, that's where a lot of the game's challenge came from. So I think this game was, I, I think this game uh, um, adjusted in difficulty very well as you went through the game, um, and it was definitely something. Mario 3 felt a little bit more... Mario 3 kind of felt so difficult to me that I'm not really sure how well the young kids could actually could actually do well with the game. Whereas Mario World kind of felt like a perfect balance of difficulty and, and, and challenge, where like, like, challenge, like, well, like, you know, young young and young and old game players that can enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. Like, I've played both recently. Um, I played Super Mario Bros. 3 on my 3DS. Um... About three months ago, I got through it. It's it's very difficult. Compared to Super Mario World, for me personally, I feel the Super Mario World is quite easy um, up until the special zone. <laughs> to be honest with you, if you can find, if you get to the special zone, that's when the levels get quite challenging. But Super mm-hmm. Mario World, is, it's not a breeze, but it's it's you can get through it faster, and it's the progression is easier. The the the, the levels aren't as hard as Super Mario World Brothers Three, like you said. I remember. Um, the into Mario Bros. Three, the the ship levels where like the, the the bullet bills are just shooting everywhere, and and, and also when you're on the ground, there's those um, uh, there's the cannonballs, and they're going everywhere, and mm. these things getting thrown. It, it gets to beyond it, get, it goes beyond an enjoyment factor. It gets really frustrating, you know. Um, even though it's based on skill, and I don't necessarily say it's cheap deaths or anything. It's just there's a lot going on on the on the level. When in Super Mario Brothers, uh, Super Mario World, there is a challenge factor there, but it's not as busy. You know, it's more about finding a secret exit or getting past mm. a certain um, dynamic with the with the level design when it comes to mm. the enemy placement and and the jumps and the and the timing. Where Super Mario Brothers three for me, the difficulty came with the difficulty part came with there's so much going on on the screen, something a lot of it's thrown at you, not necessarily the platforming. Um, so I, I give credit to what Miyamoto um, and his team did with this team, this game because he made it accessible for people at all, of all ages. Of all school levels, levels, and he gave you a challenge also if you're looking for that when you got to the special zone because that special zone for me was a nightmare. I've recently played it. Um, I own actual um, the game, so I've, I got through it, and it was yeah, it was challenging. And I love that element. I love that element of it that they have something there that's really hardcore, difficult, in my opinion, anyway. Absolutely, yep, agree 100. percent And I also love the fact, I also love the fact that most ages also had a midway checkpoint for you. Uh, once you reach that checkpoint. But if you die, you would automatically start there instead. So that was really helpful. That's a good point. Uh, the enemies uh, segue. Um, I really love the enemy design uh, in this game, more so than any of the previous Mario game that came before, because not only did you have previous enemies coming back from old, previous enemies coming back from earlier games, um, you had the 
uh, like you had the familiar uh, uh, Koopas and Bills and like Hammer Brothers, but you also had like new enemies uh, that was also great. Uh, like I really love the. I'm not sure. That, oh, I can't remember their official name. Uh, the football charging, the like charging chucks, um, and the, uh, like also the huge bullet bills. I, I mean, right, I, I mean, right away, stage one of the game, you get that, you get that big ass bullet bill flying at you. It's like, whoa, yeah, that's I'm a good indication. Because, I'm laughing because it's like it's so iconic and. I wonder how many people have died on the first level just by like not knowing what to do and then jumping over it or ducking. Like you have to make that decision because it happens so quickly. Um, but that's that's beautiful game design for me. Like it really makes you react straight away. Like it's beautiful. Oh yeah, like also the ghost house. I mean, like you know the whole design with like you know those the um, oh man, it's like oh man, like oh man, uh, I mean, uh, those ghosts. Like what are the ghosts called? Um, uh, uh, they're not shy guys. Uh, the um. Uh, just the ghosts, just having those ghosts who, like, you know, who are so shy, they're so shy, so shy that you look at them, look at them, they turn away and blush to cover their eyes. So, like, you know, and, um, so, so, like, so, like, so maneuvering yourself carefully, like, carefully, like, to some of the ghost houses, trying to keep those guys, you know, off your back, like, was, like, 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 with entertaining and challenging, challenging, like, all at once. And, you know, um, and, like, you know, uh, the throp thromps are back. In, in this game, also uh, uh, like like also, um, just like you know, um, I, I I you know just you know you know just just the overall enemy design. There's so many enemies in this game. I I, I think there's like you know like something like 50, 60 enemies uh, like all together like in the game. Uh, just like you know the overall, uh, the overall the overall design and placement and just the addition of new guys like among the old guys like it was all brilliant. It was like you know like. Just like I said earlier, uh, it's obvious. It's obvious that this team, this team is labor of love, and everything, everything, everything put into the game, um, which is like you know, so carefully planned and thought about and detailed. Yeah, well, you know, uh, when it comes to the vision, you know, Dinosaur Land is a very different world to like what we've seen in the past. So, like from like the first levels, you get different, you get different enemies that you haven't seen before, apart from you know, Bullet Bill, I guess, in a way, but um. You know that was really important to kind of give you a new setting, and then it, then it starts throwing you more familiar designs, um, and you get more familiar with what Mario Brothers is. So um, I really uh, admire that aspect of it as well. Um, I just want to touch base on on um, in terms of the bosses, if I can, because that's the mm-hmm. one kind of gripe I have with this game is that the bosses weren't as really as creative as they, they could have been. I guess when you look at Yoshi's Island going forward and, and Super Mario uh, sixty four. You know, that was one element that I wish they um, had a little bit more uh, contrast because it kind of is the kind of the same thing. They're just different names of the, what are they called? The Cooper Troop, uh, the the Bowser's um, kids, are they? Yeah, both those names yeah, slightly but... used. So, um, yeah, you know, I, yeah, you know, I can see that. Like, you know, like, you know, the Cooper kids, the Cooper kids are very similar in uh, playing this game. Yeah, the Cooper kids in this game are very similar like, to how they were like Mario 3. Um, I, I really like the fight, the final fight against Bowser, like, the, the, like Bowser, but the, the, the game, it's pretty easy, but the overall, but the overall mechanic, mechanic of it, and how you actually have to beat that, I mean, when that fight, like, is interesting. Yeah, I just, you know, I look at boss designs, and you get to each castle, and there's a different theme, and, and some of them work differently, I just wish there was more uh, dynamics to it. Um, but apart from that, yeah, you said it. The level design in this game, in general, is just epic. 
um, for a Mario game. Um, and added so much to it. Um, I also really love the fact I also I also like really love the fact that this game stores your player mode in it. Um, I'm not sure I'm not sure if you ever played the game uh, played the game back then like anybody else, but I played this game on a regular basis like my friends, just like you know being able to trade off trade off uh, you trade off and have like Mario work through one stage one one stage like Luigi tackle the next stage or jump in start jump in to help you try to finish the stage but you were able to do it. Um, Mario 3 had this too, but I think like Mario World just improved upon it, uh, once again. And like, you know, like, you know, this game, as, as much fun as this game was playing it by yourself, uh, playing it with somebody else, um, also like really like helped to, like help like enhance the, uh, like enhance the experience. Definitely. I agree. I just think, um, you know, obviously later editions of this game, they kind of made Luigi a little bit different. Um, in design and the way he played, but in this, in the original Super Mario World, obviously, um, you know, he's pretty much the same as as Mario. So that's the only thing I wish they kind of changed a little bit um, at the time. Mm-hmm. There's not really too many complaints I'd have with this game uh, because I think it was just like so well made and so well balanced. Um, I guess really the only two knocks I might have with this game. Um, uh, uh, one of them I already mentioned earlier. I mean, like we talked about, uh, the boss design really kind of felt very similar to Mario Three. I mean, I wish they had like you know, tweaked, like tweaked and improved that like a little bit. Um, I think the only other thing, uh, uh, the only, um, uh, the other thing that I might add is that you know that the, um, trying to trying to figure out how to be able to beat certain stages with the secret exits. To be very very frustrating because there wasn't any kind of hint or clue or anything um, like in the game or some of the stages because like what they actually do they'd be totally different just like when they actually do play up that game like so far like that point so trying to figure out sometimes when sometimes stages I remember I remember some stages going through the stages 10 20 30 times trying to figure out where the heck's the secret exit but you know trying to figure out what you need to do to be able to actually like, find it. Again, granted, it's optional. Like you don't need to do that, but you know, I understand. But like, you know, I understand it being challenging. But the mechanics for finding the secret exit should be more balanced. I thought some of the some of the ways they some some of the ways some of the ways that they expect the game player to figure things out, uh, like to be able to find or to be able to do the secret exits. And some stages, some, some stages you had to carry you had to carry a key or a power switch all the way through the stage. Uh, but you had to be able to. Like have Yoshi have a certain like a certain like coward shell that may only appear like once the, like once the stage. Trying to figure those things out could be very like unbalanced, like very very frustrating. Um, yeah, I, I agree, and it's weird because the game um, this is the first Mario game that had information boxes, like to make it easier for the player. True, um, to kind of understand, yeah. to kind of teach you how to play this um, game. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. Like in one way, it's cool because it's 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 enticing um, exploration and, and to really use your brain on how to do things. But I think the problem is more than anything is that, you know, if you're trying to find those 96 exits, some levels don't give you an indication that there's another exit because you've generally just created a path for yourself. And until you, unless you really know there's um, an exit missing, uh, sorry, an exit in this game, um, mm. that's hard as well. Does the, uh, can you uh, clarify, Greg, you know how the coins that you've um, on the world map, when you go on a coin and it's yellow or, or red, what is either one indicate if it's red does it mean that you've got all the coins the yoshi coins or oh the yoshi in the game right yeah 
Yeah, no, we can talk about that. The Yoshi coins are additional to this game. Uh, you can still get, like, you know, 100 coins, the, the 100 coins of, like, for natural life, uh, like, every, uh, like every the Mario game has, but there's also, like, you know, five Yoshi coins in most stages, and, and, and like, like those that like, most stand out, like, you know, these big, these big yellow coins with Yoshi's picture on them. Um, if you get all five Yoshi coins, it gives you a bonus. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what it does. Um, well, I, I believe I mean, it gives you a, it gives you that I remember, and I've, I played it recently. It gives you an extra life, um, and it, it, it hmm. places on the map. I think your um, the color of the coin on the on each level goes red or yellow. I can't remember either one. But back to my original point with that is that to what you were saying when it comes to the flaws of the game and it comes to secrets. There's no indication of, of what level has another secret uh, exit um, that I'm that I that I know of. So I think that's more of a problem because if you can tell me that this level has another exit that you have not found yet, at least I know that it's in this level. But I found mm. I've only finished 89 levels, and I don't know uh, without doing any research online because I don't like doing that. I, I don't know where the exits are that I haven't found yet. So do I have to go play each other each level to kind of see? Like they're kind of. It's too broad, you know, and I, and I get what you're saying is that it could be great to have more of an indication of, uh, of where they would be. I think every stage has a hidden exit. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, but what indication do I know that what has, what has been done, what hasn't? You know what I'm saying? I like, believe the game tells you, um, if I remember correctly, uh, when you move Mario, like, over the map, uh, uh, like, stop Mario at a stage, it... Uh, besides staying at the top, like what stage that it is, like for example, like, like for example, like you know, like uh, Chocolate Land three or whatever. Um, I believe it says up there, like clear or not. Uh, it Tim says clear. Uh, I, um, okay. There you go. Uh, that indicates that that indicates uh, so that indicates found the secret exits. But that's in the world, right? That's not on every particular yes. level. Yeah, this is right, this is what right. I'm saying. Yeah, I, I guess right, that's it on the would world be better. Map. If it was more on a singular level basis that you have not found the secret yet in this in this level. I mean, I know some people, these hardcore games were like, oh, that would take away the, the challenge aspect. Well, not necessarily because if you hone, if you can kind of hone in on where it is, then you have the challenge of actually finding it because that's actually another hard aspect of it is actually working out where that exit is, um, let alone where it is on the map. So, yeah, anyway, I'll just touching base on the flaws for me, I haven't got really in a lot of flaws. Uh, you touched on the bosses. I thought they could be off a little bit more variety, um, I guess, like we just said, with secrets. Um, but overall, this game is the closest thing to a masterpiece um, that I've experienced personally. And I, I can still play it today and still really enjoy it. Um, to be honest, I just bought a console recently, Super Nintendo console. It was the first game I bought for it because it was, a, it was the first game I wanted to play. You know, it, just, uh, it brought back so many memories, but nothing about it was like, oh, that's a bit rough around the edges. It's got this timeless feel. You know, it's, it's got a beautiful art style. Um, and I just think that it carries itself to this day. Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way. I mean, like, you know, this game, uh, this game to me, it's like it's my favorite Mario game, like, of all time. Um, and, it, um, and it's kind of strange because, you know, I think, I think, that because I think certain franchises just didn't make the transition from 2D to 3D very well. Uh, some franchises, I think, did just fine. Like, and they jumped over to 16-bit, like, and beyond. But, uh, uh, but for the franchises, you know, I just don't think the franchise did very well going over to 3D. And to me, unfortunately, Mario was one of those franchises. Uh, because, I liked, uh, because I liked Mario 64, um, 
I, you know, I did play it and beat it back then, but it's not really a game that I go back to. And, you know, I just didn't really care for Super Mario Sunshine or Super Mario Galaxy very much. Um, you know, I have played and enjoyed the more recent 2D Mario games, but Mario to me is just a franchise, is a franchise that unfortunately I just lost interest in. Partly because of the fact that, you know, I don't think it made, uh, partly, partly because, partly because I, I don't think it made the transition to, transition to 3D very well, but also because, like, you know, as I got older, um, I kind of lost interest in, like, in so-called kitty games, um, and, you know, platformers, and, uh, platformers, and, um, then I gravitated um, I gravitated just like away from like uh, gravitated away from like my like classic Nintendo games like like Mario to like the franchises um, and Zelda I feel the same way about I mean like Link to the Past of Super Mario is it's like like the favorite Zelda game of all time too and Zelda's another franchise that I just don't have any interest in playing like anymore these days uh, because to because the fact because the fact I don't think the games um, have changed very much um, and transition transition over 3D. So for me, Mario World still uh, uh, like still holds up there as a brilliant, exciting uh, example of 16-bit uh, games technology and the peak of the Mario franchise uh, and platforming in general. I mean, like you know, um, like you know, like Colin Gary of the Watch Out for Fireballs podcast, uh, I know the virtual game podcast, like really love, had basically said that you know if it's not a Mario platformer, it's not a platformer. I mean, like you know, Mario platforms are that good. And like and how they just define the whole genre with like the look and the feel of how Mario operates, like operates the enemies and the enemies stage and enemies and stage design, like and everything, and just like this game is still as much fun now like it was like twenty five years ago. Yeah, I agree. And just to touch base on the transitional aspect of Mario as a franchise, I mean, Mario sixty four for me is is a masterpiece as well, and I'll tell you why because it kind of innovated again. Um, when it comes to the gaming space, with the um, with the controller design, with the Nintendo sixty four was pretty much built for Super Mario sixty four. So um, having a three D space for the time was very obviously groundbreaking, um, and and I kind of had to go there because that's where gaming was going. Um, and we had a sequel in Yoshi's Island, but that's not necessarily a sequel to this game. So they took their time to really redevelop Mario into that sixty four three um, D space. And I just find the problem with Mario today is that it's lacked its innovation qualities because we had to wait for a Mario game. Now that it became so saturated until recently, you know, I don't, I don't dislike Mario at all to this day. I just don't want to play another two D Mario game that has no innovative qualities. You know, I don't, I don't see the need anymore. Like you, you didn't like Super Mario Galaxy, but I loved it. Like that for me, the original that was was a fantastic game. But from then on, I really haven't seen any innovation. They've gone back to their original formula when it comes to platforming, and and they seem like a lot of fun. They've got more of a multiplayer social element to it now. Um, But Super Mario Maker is really, for me, the first time that they've taken that step into the next um, innovation phase for the Mario franchise. I don't know if you're excited for it, but I can't wait to be able to create my own Super Mario World levels. Um, It's you know, and it definitely sounds interesting. You know, sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll be finishing a second. Just. With Super Mario Maker, you know, they're really allowing us to make our own Mario games, which is something that's never happened in the past, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also giving us a roadmap, a roadmap on how they actually created these games. It's educating us as well because, you know, when people look at platformers, they can be quite simplistic in design, but the the map design, level design that goes into it is, is quite extensive. And I'm really glad that they're taking 
uh, the concept of Mario Maker and giving that us a, uh, giving us an opportunity to have fun with this and be creative. I'm not sure what the future is, but generally, you know, I think I think it's a step they needed to take with the franchise, um, and they had to stop saturating it away. So now we got Super Mario Maker. What does that mean for the future of the franchise? Are they going to continue to release Mario games, or are they going to allow us now to make our own Mario levels going forward? You know, that, that's a really interesting dynamic. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a very interesting question because, like, you know, there's no question because, you know, I'm also pretty excited, like, about that. Um, there's no doubt about it. Mario is still the face of Nintendo. I mean, like, you know, this is still the franchise that they hang their hat on. And this is still the franchise that everybody looks to when they launch a new system. Um, so Mario is still, for better or for worse, uh, really the best, the best, a, uh, uh, the best thing that Nintendo has going because the games because the games have sold so incredibly well like over the years uh, and just like you know and just, you know this is a um, Mario has always been a, a great benchmark uh, for what Nintendo was thinking and feeling at the time uh, at the time but and also like you know trying to have a like and also trying to try and take the pulse of the gamers um, of uh, of that generation and whatnot like as far as that game went so um, you mentioned a. Uh, Sorry, uh, you mentioned the semi sequel uh, uh, Super Mario World to Yoshi's Island, like a little bit. Um, that game really was only called Super Mario World Two to cash in upon Super Mario World because Super Mario World like so successful. Um, they hadn't planned to call it to call it that, but they were kind of concerned that you know that that it, that the game didn't have the Mario or the Mario World name attached to it that the game wouldn't like do as well. And you know, I kind of have a love hate relationship with Yoshi's Island. Um, I think the you know the gameplay itself is interesting, and unique. The the graphics are gorgeous. They're even better in that game than they are like Mario World. Really, I think uh, the music the, the music the music the music also very good. But that damn cry Mario, it just it's so freaking annoying to me. It's like you know, I cannot play that game without like muting. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I cannot I cannot play that game like about muting uh, muting it. And you know, and it, yeah, you thought the requirements for trying to finish some stages in Mario World was crazy. Trying to trying to trying to make it through certain stages on Yoshi's Island without having Mario knock out, to knock out, knock out your back, uh, 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 so beat, uh, to beat the stage where just like a coin attacked. Good Lord, forget about it. You can't do it. So I mean, like you know, it's definitely you know, definitely love hate relationship. Like as far as that game goes, I um, I don't hate it. I don't like it as much like Mario World. I was just going to say, like, it's a shame that because I, I, when, what I say here is, like, I would have loved to have a pure sequel to Mario World on the on the Super NES later in its cycle. Um, and but if but if that happened, we wouldn't have got Mario sixty four because of the obviously the development cycle for that game was quite large. But it's a shame that Nintendo didn't maybe build an extensive team to go off and do another Super Mario World, taking what made Super Mario World fantastic and and you know gave us a sequel just take it to the next level because even me and Maltos coming out said you know obviously you said that earlier in the podcast as well that you know he felt the end was rushed and he couldn't create a more of an emotional story level to this game imagine if you flushed out a little bit more of Super Mario World and gave it a bit more of a story I mean it's a Mario game so you don't need much of it mm. but give us a little bit more context and, and more dialogue and, and give us that same beautiful art style and you know bring the levels and take it to, to another level it would have been great to see um, instead of us not having a Super Mario World 2, an official one anyway. But, you know, that's what it is, and um, we're blessed that we can still play it today. Um, and it obviously got, um, you know, updated versions in the future. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, 
Well, on the bright side, I was very happy with the port of the game that the Game Boy Advance got several years later. Um, you know, that's definitely like a great, like great port of the game. Uh, and being able to have a portable, like a, like a portable version, like this game is awesome. Yeah, like I, I, I remember I played it all over again when that came out. Like it just again just reminded me how good it was, and that had you, you know little elements like Mario had a voice, mm-hmm. um, and Luigi played differently. But the um, sorry, just before that, Greg, you know the Mario All Star Super Mario World package, mm-hmm. even that Super Mario World was a little bit more upgraded um, when it came to. I never uh, played that Luigi version. As well. I didn't know that Luigi had huh. a different move. Yeah, yeah, Luigi um, can do like a, a body slide. Hmm. Um, there's a couple other differences in that game, but they did a little tweaks and in, 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 in that game too. So if you can check that out, if you interesting, want to. never knew that. Yeah, hmm. yeah, and this game, of course, is available. Like, of course, this game is widely available like today still. Um, I mean, you know, like, you know, besides like you know the Super NES original version, like in the Game Boy Advance port, like it's also available in the Virtual Console. Um, you know, like both the Wii and the Wii U. So like, like, so like you know, very easy to play, um, and this game, this game still spotted very, very highly. Uh, GameRankings.com when they did their you know, 100 best games last year, uh, which was voted on, still voted on like by the viewers, uh, ranked 17 of all time uh, of all time like on the game list, which is pretty good. Uh, average score 94 uh, percent like for the game. So um, a lot of people still. What's it? What's it there on your list? On your list, Greg, where is it? I want to know. Well, top twenty. Where is it for Super NES? It's definitely for, like for Super NES games. It's definitely there. It's, it's like definitely there. Like definitely there. Like in the top five. But if you do, but, but if you do all time games, um, you know, seventeen sounds about right. I, I probably put it. You know, put it like. I probably put it. You know, like right about there. Yeah, look, it's in my top ten. I'm not going to put it specifically somewhere, but it's definitely in my top ten. Super Mario World will always be um, a love of mine. Mm. It's my favorite platformer. Um, I don't have anything to hate on it. It's just one of those games that really changed my life in a way, just because mm. um, it was everything that you liked in a Mario game. And if you love video games, it was just such a, a major aspect of your childhood. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, especially if you were born yeah, up absolutely. In, the, in that generation. Uh, one last, you know, one last bit of advice I can give, like as far as the game goes. I um, mean, you know, uh, um, you know, if you're playing this game for the first time or just playing it, just playing it now, like on a virtual console, like or whatnot, um, having using either um, using like, using the proper controller for this game really makes a big difference because, like you know, not it's because like we said earlier, this game was this game was mapped to utilize Super NES controller in a very efficient efficient way. Uh, more so than most of the Super NES games were, like where I thought, and you know, trying to play this game um, like on a keyboard or with a controller that doesn't have the proper the, the proper the, uh, controller that doesn't have proper proper buttons or layout is very frustrating, especially you know, especially trying to get the cape uh, mechanics uh, worked worked out. So I definitely recommend that anybody who wants to play this game either get a proper Super NES controller or like maybe like one of the older um, you know like classic controllers that are available that are available like the virtual console because like you know um, it's because you know this game can be very frustrating trying to play it like, about using the correct like you know like button sets so um, yeah. or just, but you know in saying in saying that Greg I mean um, if you if people not everyone has access to you know, subdisc controller or adapters, whatever, that I want to invest in, in those peripherals. Um, I had a friend of mine who, who um, downloaded this on the virtual console, um, and his young son, who's only eight years old, he loved this game. 
like genuinely loved mm. it playing on the Wii U gone game bad. So I don't, I, you're right. It's, it's obviously better to play with a Super Nintendo controller, but I entice anybody that has young kids, give this game a go because it's a lot of fun. Um, it's not too hard. And I think they'll love the art style. Um, and specifically, it's quite bright and bubbly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just another suggestion as well. Right. Um, so before we move on to... Uh, so before we move on to a... Um, I, you know, like bugs and cheats and cheats and tips and that, to, to, just like that kind of stuff to kind of, I mean, kind of you know, wrap things up. Uh, do you have any other final thoughts or things, like things you want to comment on, like as far as the game went? Yeah, like it's it's one of the finest video games ever ever created. Um, you know, it's fact, really. <laughs> it's character <laughs> structure, level design. There's a bit of humor. It's got a perfect learning curve for me. Like, it starts really well. Um, you can get really good at this game quickly. It has a lot of, like, playability, overplayability. You can play this game forever, really. It's got so much going for it. Um, and I don't know if there's a better platform game out there. Um, so, it, like I said, go out there. I'm sure a lot of you have played it already, but try and introduce it to younger kids and see what they think. It's be great for them to see um, the quality of something like this because it's a shame that, you know, even though it's accessible on the Wii platform, um, that you know, young, a lot of young kids aren't getting a chance to play it. You know, it's not it's not within their um, frame now. So, yeah, try and get it out there. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Because you know, I was a big platformer fan like I was younger. Uh, there were a lot of platformers that I played, uh, played and loved, like for the NES and Super NES uh, back then. And in my mind, Mario Three and Mario World still still stand up as test time for like being like being two of the best platformers they ever made, bar none. Um, they both show off their system very very well. They both push the system. Well, Mario Three pushed the NES like like with limits. Um, Mario World uh, is, is, is a very good example of what the system could do. Um, it, it would be curious to see a remake of this game several years later, toward the end of Super NES's life, uh, after programmers had programmers had, had some time to be able to get experience with the system and a system like they would system like they would work out like all the tweaks and but to tweaks and tweaks and tips and everything else for it. Uh, but, but as I was saying, like a sequel would have been great mm, for that. Yeah. You know, just taking what they learn and applying it to just a new. Adventure. But as far as like out of the gate uh, game goes, this game really shows off the system very, very well. More so, probably. I'm racking my brain. I really think next to next to next to Donkey Kong, like the ColecoVision, which was an arcade port. I don't think any other game packing game that's really showed off the system the system as well. Like Slicewind did. I, I mean, it really showed off. I mean, it really showed off really showed off, showed off brilliantly. Just, just what Super NES could do the graphic sound, and gameplay. So, not so much Mode Seven, but there was Mode Seven used in um, a lot of it. So, especially the boss battle, um, a couple of boss battles and that. So, right, yeah, I agree with you totally. Yeah. So, um, there's a so there's a like there's a bunch of like uh, codes, glitches, glitches, cheats, that kind of stuff. Like for this game, more so than I even realized. Uh, like Charlie looked at this, some of these, you know, some of these I wasn't even aware of. I've been playing this game for 25 years almost. Um, I won't go into full details uh, like in all of these. Um, I'll just, just mention some of them in passing real quick, like, real quick, just so you know about them. Just like you weren't aware of them, like I wasn't like aware of them. Um, like I'll, I'll, she always got like courtesy like of the article for this, um, like this game, like off my like, game FAQ. But they, um, there's a code where there's a code. There's, there's a code you can do for a little bit extra, um, like in any sequence. Uh, once you beat Bowser, 
uh, and the princess of this, and the princess is being freed. If you hold down L R X Y up, Mario will do this very strange moonwalk kind of like thing in the credits, um, which kind of like you know Easter egg kind of like kind of like, like the game. Very very weird. I saw uh, I saw I saw a picture of it like online. And I'm like, huh, that's odd. But uh, there's also there's also a glitch with the berry um, where you can do if you do it correctly. Uh, you'll be able to get 99 lives uh, because the game kind of glitches out. Uh, it, it's kind of a tricky freeze to do. You have to use like a Yoshi the Yoshi to keep Mario. Um, you have to have a fire flower in reserve flame to get a berry. Uh, like I said, you know, I refer you to game out the queue for the like the exact details of doing it. But they, um, there's there's a number of things you can. That, uh, but this glitch is weird because if you're weird because a number of things that can happen to it. Uh, since uh, if you do it correctly, sometimes the game freezes. Sometimes you get 99 lives. Uh, sometimes the graphics will change, or like the audio will cut out, a whole bunch of like strange things. Um, you can also, Alexandro, like maybe like you knew, um, you know, I knew about this one, um, but not you did. You can use a switch, um, so you can use a switch uh, with Yoshi, um, but not waste it. Um, it's kind of like you, you have to like you know stomp on the switch just right, and like you know have Yoshi eat it before it, like vanishes. It's like Yoshi can like spit it out again, and it will like be attacked again. Attack again. Hmm. I had no idea about this. Um, there you go. There's also the um uh there's uh, the, uh there's also the fact that if they um if you beat a stage with the time ending the same digit repeated twice in the tens place of your star total, like you reward an extra life. Uh, like for example, like for example, if you have seventeen, like for example, like seventeen stars. So if you beat the stage with your time ending like an 11, because there's a 1 there in the same place in both the stars and time, just like an extra life, finishing finish the stage. So it's like, it's like a great way, to be, you know, great way to be able to pick up some extra lives. Um, also, also finishing stage, if you're holding an item when you cross the goal line, uh, that item will turn into a one-up mushroom. So if you slice if you like the milk bowl tricks you definitely can get a whole bunch of like a whole bunch of extra lives like that go through the game um, and finally if you want to you can go into a castle again that you've already beat uh, by putting Mario uh, over the castle on the map and then pushing L and R at the same time um, eBay pricing is for this game is confusing to say the least because like you know this is a this is super popular games we already discussed it was like 20 plus million copies of this game made. Uh, both as like a pack in the, the, the like, also like, you know, like a available in store title. And there's, and there's definitely, and, and you might expect there's no shortage of, there's no shortage of uh, copies of this game like being sold. There are 637 net listings, listings currently active, by, currently active like today. And, and the, uh, just in the US eBay site alone, counting, um, you know, counting counting copies of this game from both the U.S. and worldwide, there's 4,625 copies of this game that recently sold. I've never seen I've never seen a game sold as much as this game has been. But car pricing car pricing is pretty cheap, but CIB pricing is crazy, which unfortunately just just follows the formula that that all Super NES games seem to seem to be going through like right now. Which again, considering like like we said, 20 plus you know, you 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 20 like, you know, 20 plus million, uh, like, you know, 20 plus million copies. And I remember this game, this game did not come as a cart only, 
Um, when I got this game from my system back then, it came complete. It had a box and manual and everything. So this wasn't like a half-bastardized copy of the game like some package did. No, it's like you actually got a complete copy of the game. So seeing this price difference like it's, like it's very, very shocking. Um, cart pricing of the game, which includes shipping, runs anywhere from $8 to $36. And it's like $36.50. And 8 bucks for the game shipped is pretty good. But if you want CIB, that CIB copies of the game, that running anywhere from $60, $60, like all the way up to like $120. And that's just nuts. I mean, like, you know, more so than ever, I think, because of the fact that Mario is such a popular uh, a popular name and just a popular franchise with a uh, combining of the whole bubble of Super Mario Prices is going through right now, it's, it's just crazy. Especially because it's especially because especially because the fact that it's like 5,000 copies of this game either recently sold or currently recently sold or currently or currently being sold like an eBay. So um, definitely, might, so so, so, so definitely might want to check it out. Uh, 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 check it out like the GBA uh, port, uh, like the virtual console instead, uh, if you want to. So, um, so yeah, this is definitely in conclusion. You know, this was definitely a fun game to cover. It's definitely a game. It was definitely a game that I was going to cover eventually sooner or later. I just didn't want to do it initially. Initially, when I started the podcast, like most of the podcasts do, the packing games just because they want to be different. But Mario World definitely, Mario World definitely deserves the time in the sun. It definitely deserves some recognition. Um, it, I mean, like, don't let the fact that this game has, I, I mean, definitely don't let the fact that this game has a kitty look or feel to it put you off, because there's some, there's some damn challenging parts of this game that are frustrating even the most seasoned, seasoned experienced game player out there. So, if you can beat this game 100%, you definitely have proven yourself, like, as a veteran game player. So, but at the same time, the fact that at the same time, the fact that you can go through the game normally and beat it and have fun with it, and like Alessandro was just saying, like an eight-year-old can have can have a lot of fun with the game, like even today, Rui Rui is tested is testimony for how great this game was. Um, it was great back then; it's still great now. It's definitely worth like playing. It's definitely one you should have in your collection. I totally agree. So, um, coming up next on the Super NES podcast, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be releasing um, probably going to be releasing uh, uh, the Tech Bowl episode in a couple weeks. Uh, the next episode that the next episode that should be out is going to be a personal favorite of mine, but a very controversial uh, 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 game uh, like the system um, because again, uh, because again, talking about the whole transition. Transition from eight bit to transition from transition eight bit to six to eight bit to eight bit to sixteen bit games. We looked at one example of how that was done with Super Mario World, where like a whole new game was made, taking off elements of gameplay and whatnot, like from the, like how much popular your popular popular eight bit titles. But it was also popular for it was also popular for a number of games we ported over to Super NES, uh, like from Nintendo. Uh, one of the Tecmo Bowl games that we talked about with the Tecmo Bowl episode was. Uh, which is straight port over the, like the NDS. And the games are just like the games we're going to talk about next were also just basically ported over. Um, we're going to be talking about Ninja Gaiden Trilogy for uh, like the Super NDS, which was a re release of the three very popular Ninja, uh, Ninja Gaiden games uh, like the NDS uh, with, with slightly different graphics and music. And um, like I said, this game is very, very. Uh, Debatable as to like its popularity and success, so it's going to be fun talking about talking about how this version of this game compares to the original NES classics because I'm a huge fan of like the franchise. Uh, 
uh, uh, uh, Ninja Gaiden games were very, very popular, and I remember paying big bucks for this game to Bunko Land way back when uh, to get this game shortly after it came out. So um, this is definitely going to be like a very interesting title. Very interesting title. Very interesting title to cover uh, by the next episode. Um, so, uh, once again, uh, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I very much appreciate it. Uh, like Alessandro, uh, like as always, like as always, that like was great, like having you on here, like me, uh, talking about it. But, uh, um, you can contact us at the Super NES podcast at yahoo.com or find us, or, like, find us, or, like, find us on the Facebook page. Uh, we are a proud member of the Rick Dungeons Network. Um, and you can also listen to the podcast on the Podomatic hosting site for right now. Um, and, and you can also find the podcast on YouTube. Um, that, I'll be okay. Um, on Stitcher and iTunes. And they, um, uh, and Alessandro, you also have a uh, Twitter setup, like a, a, a Twitter feed setup. Like. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, man, I'd love for you guys to say hello if you're listening to the show. Just for some feedback or just let me know what you're feeling. I'm very, um, I'm very within the Super NES uh, frame at the moment because I'm playing a console myself. So I'd love to find some more gamers out there that are playing the console as well. Um, you can find me at Alessandro Diossi. That's two S's. So Alessandro Diossi. Um, and it's just say hello. Yeah. And also, sorry, my blog, thenerdfashionista.com. It's my gaming blog that I also have launched. Awesome. Okay. Um, so once again, thank you very much for your support and for listening to the podcast. Uh, feel free to give us feedback, comments, comments suggestions, um, future games, future games that it goes to cover. Uh, there's still a lot of great games in the system like to look at and cover, or maybe some not so great games, um, but a... Uh, uh, but yeah, the library the library definitely is very very rich, and there's a lot of like you know different games out there. So like so like feedback and suggestions on games to cover um, are always gonna be like very much appreciated. So thank you again very much like the support out like support and take care everyone. Nintendo controls eighty percent of the video market, but no matter how you play the game or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep of power.